Today on Locked On Canadians, everything you want to know about our college prospects and more with a very special guest. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. and welcome to episode 579 of Locked On Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And we have a special guest from Locked On Flyers, also a prospect expert and a hockey writer who's written many, many books. And we, somebody we're a big fan of on this podcast, Russ Cohen. Russ, how are you today? Doing good. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Scott. Now, we're going to talk about, like, bagels and, and food, right? We're not really talking about <laughs> prospects, are we? Um, well, I mean, that's an area I'm an expert in, it. so <laughs> I know I've seen you. I know about bagels and food. Scott. I've seen Scott eat at the combine. <laughs> believe me. When it's the food's free. It's, yeah. it's going to be fun. because We're excited because the draft is in Montreal, and I do believe we will have lots of conversations about bagels and food uh, as it comes up. So what we wanted to do today, and I just want to note for everybody, we are recording this on Tuesday night. So for those of you on YouTube, that is why Scott and I are wearing the same outfits as we were on our last episode. But also just so that you know, because we're going to drop this episode on Thursday morning, because on Wednesday we have a conflict. So uh, like some of some signings may have happened in the meantime, there might be some news. So if anything big happens, we'll drop a shorter episode on that. We wanted to spend all of this episode talking to us about, first of all, Habs prospects in the system who are in the NCAA. We've also got a couple of notes of, of non-college prospects that, uh, that Russ has compiled for us. That's going to be later in the episode. We want to talk about undrafted free agents, but I think what everybody wants to know is who is Tyler's Ty, he goes by Ty, Ty Smolanic. Um, and what does he bring to the table? And we thought, well, who better to ask than Russ? Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I interviewed him pre-draft and just saw him at, at World Junior Camp um, where he did look bigger, faster, stronger, which is good. He um, He's a kid that could play center, could play left wing. Uh, probably will play center in college, and then you'll see what happens when he gets out. I, I looked up his face-off percentage right now is about 41%, but, you know, He's 20 years old, so going up against some older guys, that may get better. He does have really good speed, this guy, and and he's a gamer. In the All-American Prospects game, I want to say he broke a finger in um, in practice, and then they had a media session, and I interviewed him, and I'm like, hey, wait, I see a cast there. Are you playing with a broken something? He goes, <laughs> yeah, you know, doctor said do whatever you want. You can't really hurt it anymore, so I'm playing. <laughs> and, you know, but but it just shows the, that he's a gamer, you know, and because this was a game that he knew um, he had wanted to play in. It's like an all-star game, and he knew there would be a lot of scouts there. And I felt like, hey, that's that's great that he um, – and, and it was on his, his shooting stick hand that guides the stick, and he still made some really good plays in that game. He's a high-skill guy. He's fast. Uh, people will find – 
thing reasons not to like him. I think there's way more reasons to like him. So I, I think he could be second, third line in the NHL. Most likely third, but I think second's possible because of the speed. And if he does get more strength, then that's something where he could be a very dangerous package, but he does have a goal scorer's touch too. I look at his profile, like I read the one on elite prospects and I've read what's around the internet and such. And I go, and I think is, yes, he's a center now. And you said that he could play wing in the NHL. Do you think yeah. with that speed and his finesse kind of game that, to, that potentially, even if he is a very good center at the NCAA level, uh, going to the next level, being a wing might be that way to unlock that next step to his game once he leaves Quinnipiac, whenever that is. Yeah, it could be because like, like we know now there's a lot of guys you know, as an example, like Cutter Gauthier in this draft, he he's a left wing, but he's been playing a ton of center, and they've been switching him back and forth for like two years now with the program. And again, the way the, the, the rules are in the game now, if there are face-offs on your side of the ice, so if you're a left wing and, and there's a face-off there, sometimes those guys are taking it now over the centers. So if you have a guy like Smilanic out there, and even if he's not playing center, but they know that he's a good face-off guy, he's going to take a certain amount of face-offs in the game anyhow. So... I do think he could do the transition. I think um, the speed off the wall could be very dangerous, actually, yeah. And so what about his defensive game? Because I think a lot of people have kind of questioned that aspect of it because usually if you are playing on the third line, that's something that you do need to be strong at. Um, so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. And I, like acknowledging, obviously, that when a player is at that level, there's a lot of development still to be had. He is mm -hmm. only 20. Yeah. No, I think it's it's gotten a lot better. I think at World Junior Camp, he showed uh, that he he did have an active stick. He was using the body. He he was one of the better players in camp. And so, you know, he was poised to be a top six guy in that camp. And, and that was a, a big thing for him. I was watching him intently because I happened to like him and I saw the growth in him. So I think that's good. And right now he's playing on, on a terrific team with Quinnipiac. So even though you know, nobody can pronounce the name and nobody knows where it actually <laughs> is located. Um, still a good, good college player. It's a, it's a good hockey school. I mean, they have had some success in recent years, right? It so, is, but nobody could point it on a map. <laughs> this is true. Um, so I guess my final question for you is, is that um, the Canadians as a whole, they seem to be trying to move to a faster, like a two-way game, but clearly a skilled offensive game. So do you think that potentially if he does attain his ceiling, he could fit in a lineup like that in, let's say, a few years? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely, you know, his, his jam. So that's, he would fit in that very well. And I think that for that vision, he's perfect for that. Awesome. So we're going to talk about, we have so many more things to talk about. We're going to talk about what everybody wants to know about Jordan Harris, obviously, but there's so many players in the system that Russ is familiar with. So we are going to grill him a little bit more and that's coming up in just one moment. But first remember, it's that time of year again, as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. 
All right. So I know everybody wants to ask about Jordan Harris. And again, it, you know, how, however the NCAA season plays out, there's a, a good sense that he is planning to sign in Montreal. And that was a question mark as recently as a couple of months ago before uh, the new front office came in. People were wondering, you know, is he over the Canadians? Does he not want to play here? And to me, it seems like the way that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon talked in their press conference the other day, or actually it wasn't a press conference. It was a Twitch stream. We are in 2022. It was a, a Twitch stream. Okay. <laughs> it was a Twitch stream. And they said that, you know, like the way that they talked about, because, you know, you clearly you can't negotiate with a player who's still in right. college and they can't really have an agent and all that. But they were kind of talking about how they knew like their sons had played against him, like they were familiar with the player. And everybody's really excited about this guy. So we thought we'll ask you about him because you clearly you're the, you're the person that I would ask for things that I personally don't know. And, and I think Habs fans would love your insight on this. Yeah, I first thing is I was a little iffy like everybody else until I heard his advisor Kent Hughes was getting a job with the Canadians. Then I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess they really are going to sign Jordan Harris, no problem, because he is an exciting player. Like I've seen him, and and the speeds there, the puck moving's there. He um, he plays a good brand of defense. He definitely has offensive upside. I, I mean, I don't know if he is like a top power play kind of guy, but he could be a second power play kind of guy, and. He blocks a lot of shots. He's had a couple of games this year where he's blocked five shots a game. So this guy will do anything it takes to win. And he's got a great attitude. He's a really good athlete. Like he, he's a package that you definitely did not want to lose him as an organization. And, and they're not gonna. So I think, yeah, once they're done, that's the number one guy on their list. Like there's no question. You got to get him signed and get him signed now. They're going to, you know, I'm sure he'll get to play some games with the Canadians. He'll burn that first year at ELC like everybody else does. And you live with that. And that's okay. And, but next year, he still could be with Laval next year. I, I wouldn't throw him right in the NHL. I, I mean, I still think the Canadians have screwed up Romanoff to some degree. So I don't want to see them do that with, with Harris. I, I look a lot at what Jordan Harris has done watching the games and listening to what his teammates and his coaches have said at every level. And they always praise his poise in that he tends to make, even if it's not the flashy play, he makes the right play. And I think something the Canadians have lacked a lot on their defense without Shea Weber after P.K. Subban has left and Andre Markov left is guys who make the right play regularly. And I, I see him as a very stabilizing presence for a team that's going to likely be losing Jeff Petrie, lost Brett Kulak, Shea Weber is gone. And they're very they're getting younger back there, despite what David Savard might say about that. But he feels like a modern and uh, a modern version of a two way defenseman and that it mm -hmm. used to be a knock of guys who weren't big on offense and blocked shots. He seems to kind of be a modern version of that with a, a little bit more mobility. And that's just from the limited viewings I've had a chance to watch of him. I don't know if that's too far off base or not. No, it's not. It's actually pretty good because he does have really good mobility and he's got terrific hockey IQ. I mean, the hockey sense is there. The the poise is definitely there. There's a calmness to him and and definitely teammates like when he's on the ice because he does play in in big situations. And and so I he's the kind of guy if the coach wants him to do something, you want him to be a shutdown guy, he'll try and be a shutdown guy. You want him to, you know, Stay back more, not pinch as much. He'll do that. You want him to pinch more, he'll do that. I feel like he could do any of that. 
And before we move on and talk a little bit more about the defense, I just want to plug Russ's podcast with our good friend, Rachel. It's Locked on Flyers. They're on our network. And they are really a fantastic podcast to check out. And I know it's it's kind of a sore subject right now, but they're covering the close the post Clojure era. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and you're doing a great job. You did a great job of saying goodbye, and you're doing a Thanks. good job of of coming to terms with it. So if you're a Flyers fan or if you have any interest, um, please check out Locked On Flyers. And obviously, Russ is also a prospect expert, which is why we're asking him a ton of questions. And Scott, I almost cut you off there, but please ask your next question that you were going to ask Russ. I was going to say, we have Jordan Harris, who is this polished hockey IQ player, and then his teammate and also Canadian's draft pick, who I absentmindedly forgot when I was naming prospects, is Jaden Struble, someone who's a physical specimen. And I don't think anyone would doubt that, but lacks some of that same polish. And I'm wondering, I don't think he's signing at any point this offseason. I would no. be shocked if that's the case. But how far away from he is be- is he from being in – at least professional ready prospect right now. Cause he seems to have kind of a down year right now compared to where he was last year, but you see the promise of why the Canadians looked at him and drafted him where they did. Yeah. I think for me, for the NHL, you're talking probably three years. Uh, he is a physical specimen. Actually um, the last time I saw you at the combine, he was one of the best long jump guys. And that usually says that, Hey, um, if a guy has that kind of core, uh, he's got pretty good speed, which he does. Uh, he is a good puck mover. He is a terrific athlete. He is um, a guy that's got some offense. I don't think you're going to be looking for a lot of offense out of him, but I do think um, the athleticism's there. The physicality, I think, could be a little better, and I think that's something that will come. I think the defense is, is good, and I think when um, Harris is not there, he'll get more responsibility and everything, and, and that's what you want him to do is get a year of that and at least a year in Laval and then see where he's at. But, you know, not, not what Harris is, of course, but still pretty good. I'm excited to see them actually I see them both and we talk a lot about how it takes some defensemen a little bit longer to develop yes. um, there's a guy who wanted to stick around in his college career even though the Canadians might have signed him earlier uh, that ended up working out in his favor because he got to be a US Olympian and that is who we are currently calling the small assists boy but he is making a case for being a small goals boy as well and that is Sean Farrell if you ask I think if you ask Canadians fans which prospect in the NCAA people are most excited about Jordan Harris was the big question mark the one that they're most excited to see is Sean Farrell so I just want to ask you just your preliminary thoughts he seems like a highly skilled speedy little guy and we've got we've got some of those on the team I think he'll fit in perfectly well (laughs) yeah and what's interesting about Farrell is uh he was always on the radar, so I'd seen him in a couple of All-American games. I'd seen him in, like, the USHL Fall Classic. And then, you know, his season got canceled, so he went back to the USHL. And, and I actually spoke to another NHL executive about that recently, about players doing that. And, and that's something now where maybe, like, you know, 10 years ago, if you said, oh, God, this guy played two or three years in the USHL, he can't be anything. But this was good for him. And I do think it gave him uh, even an extra confidence boost. I think the uh, the Olympics was good, but he was already having a great year. He's terrific at gaining the offensive zone, probably one of the best prospects I've seen do that. He's got these great speed bursts. He's smart. Uh, I think his defense has come along. I think he's gotten stronger, but he definitely still needs to kind of work on the body a little bit. But I just felt like he was undervalued and, and has been undervalued in the minds of just, you know, 
hockey writers out there and such because of his size. And I think there'll be a time for him. And I do think when he's ready, he can be one of those guys that really can make some things happen offensively on the ice. I, I'm curious about his hockey sense. That's something, it, it seems like a buzzword all that we talk about all the time, but something that we've noted with some of the smaller guys on this team, like Nick Suzuki, for example, or Cole Caulfield, um, that they have kind of developed a, a way of understanding where to be at what time, right? Yeah. And I think that's something that not every NHL player naturally has. And, and and in a lot of them, like it takes a long time to learn that, or sometimes it just never happens and, and they kind of get phased out of the NHL. Whereas with, with Sean Farrell, I, I truly cannot tell you, like I don't understand um, how his game works just because I don't know the player all that well. So I'm curious as, as to what your thoughts are on that and how he's developing on that front. Yeah, so just to kind of steer him away from Caulfield and Suzuki, those guys are next level when it comes to young guys with great hockey sense. But he has good hockey sense, too, because he the way he does gain the offensive zone with confidence is part of that. The way he passes very accurately is part of that. And he really doesn't make a ton of mistakes out there, and he does make a lot of pucks uh, rushes with pucks. So... He is very confident and, and very smart out there, and I do think that's been building. So I don't think that's going to be a big problem in the NHL. It's always tough at the beginning. Don't get me wrong. You could be the smartest hockey player. You come up, and, <laughs> and it's always there's always an adjustment. You saw it with Caulfield, and he had bad coaching too. But beside that, um, <laughs> you know, you see that he still had to make an adjustment regardless, and he did, and he's made that adjustment now, and, he, and he's better for it. Yeah, there's a and, lot of players, you know, talented or not. Sorry, Scott, we'll just get back to that in one second. That you see them make the NHL, and then all of a sudden they're playing. They used to be the best on their team or yep. the best or the most touted, and then they show up and, like, they're playing against people who have 5, 10, 15 years of experience with coaches who have that kind of experience, who have who have made those reads, as Marty likes to call it. So mm -hmm. I think it's not uncommon. And, and I, I find that sometimes with some prospects, they can, like, you can develop them as much as possible in – a non-NHL league, there's always going to be that adjustment period once they make the NHL. Like, it's never going to be smooth. No. And and to kind of bounce off what Laura was saying there, like, I wrote his draft profile for Eyes on the Prize, and he was someone I really liked, and then they got him as late as they did, and it was a steal. And the question was, okay, can he make the transition from the USHL where he spent an extra year because COVID wiped out his freshman year at Harvard to the NHL? And I look at this and I go, well, he was over a point per game for at Harvard this year. He had a real strong season. He's over a point a game at the Olympics, admittedly a very small sample size. It, it become it. He looks more and more like someone that is like, okay, you're going to keep saying, can you make this adjustment? And so far the answer is yes, across the board. And I know the jump from college to the professional level is another step, but he seems to have the sense and the skill set that he's going to make it work. Even if he has some bumps in the road, He's going to get that figured out. He doesn't seem like the kind that gets – if he stays in a slump, it isn't for very long, at least in for Sean Farrell anyways. Right. I mean, look, if you could pay, play for Ted Donato, you've got to be able to play in your own end and play smart. And Ted was like that kind of player. And so he that's what he preaches to his guys. He's done great job, a great job with a lot of guys that have made it to the NHL. His own son, you know, was kicking around for a while, and now he's doing pretty good too. So – I think that will same thing will happen for Farrell, but Farrell's got better speed than a lot of the guys that have come through the Harvard program. And so that's going to give him a little leg up. And But again, I think you, you want him to even stay in Harvard another year. Uh, I want him to, to kind of get better in his own end. I still would like him to get stronger. Uh, 
but he's almost there. And then and then you put him in Laval. You, I wouldn't put him in Montreal right away. And look, if he's ripping up Laval half season, fine. If he needs a whole season, that's fine too. I mean, the one thing Montreal had done the last few years is a lot of guys were skipping steps and, you know, fans and, and some guys were completely ruined and, and they almost ruined Kokanami. And, but luckily he's starting to figure it out. And, and that's, you don't want that to happen to too many guys only because you need these guys eventually, or you can't build a team in the NHL. And speaking of building a team in the NHL, there are some Habs prospects not in the NCAA uh, that uh, I think I think Scott and Russ will have a great conversation about this. Um, and that's coming up in just one moment. We're talking to Russ Cohen of Locked On Flyers, a longtime hockey writer and prospect expert. And we are going to talk in this final segment, we're going to talk a little bit about undrafted NCAA free agents that Russ is looking at. But first, we've got a couple of prospects that uh, I would say, Scott, you kind of have more of an expertise on these guys. Um, so I'll let you take it away to talk about a couple of guys that are that, that haven't yet come up in this conversation. I'm not going to call myself an expert on OHL prospects or anything. I, I have watched <laughs> him more often than not because the OHL, I watch it during the intermissions of the NHL games or during the AHL games. I'm covering that. But Jan Mishak is one of those guys that a lot like Sean Farrell fell down draft boards into Montreal's lap and they were able to get him when he had some people projected as first round talent and skills. I did. And unfortunately, yeah. And there we go. I'm talking to the guy who thinks he has, and I, I agree with that. It's, ex it's easy to get excited about a player like this who played uh, very well in the Czech league, came over and played in the OHL and played well, and then had his season wiped out by COVID where he went to the AHL and the adjustment was tough, but he was 18 years old playing in a league against men in, uh, in that's a big step up. And a lot of people were wondering, how is he going to bounce back? And this year, over a point per game on the Hamilton Bulldogs, and he's on a very good Hamilton Bulldogs team. And, you know, playing with Mason McTavish is not the worst thing in the world. But no. Jan Meshack, before McTavish got there, was was the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy now, but he's still a really damn good prospect that I think some people sleep on a little bit. Yeah, I, I interviewed him for um, EP Rinkside a few months ago before the uh, World Juniors, and and he was you know he was really very confident. Uh, I always loved his goal scoring ability, but he also really prides himself in being hard to play against, and I think um, that's starting to to come out in him. I, I think he's confident. I love that the fact that he's willing to be a leader. Like on Hamilton, he's definitely a leader. And I think those things are good. His skating is terrific. And and really, his he, he does make players better. I think he really does help his teammates. And he's not just one of those guys that's sort of like a, like, I don't know, Phil Kessel, sort of a black hole. Like, you get him the puck and it's just going on the net. You never get it back. He's not really like <laughs> that. And so I think, you know, Meshack has that sniper ability. And, and so far, it has still carried through. So he could be one of those guys that when he gets up, with the Canadians that he does become one of their better goal scorers. Now you have Caulfield, but you know, you can't have too many guys that he does it a little differently. Like Caulfield's got the really the one shot that he'll do at a million different angles, but Meshach can do it a few different ways. And, and I think that's the most important part is it's it, variety is the spice of life. And mm -hmm. yeah, you can't have too many in the same mold, but if one's great, two is just as good, especially on a team that has been so starved for, 
offensive, heavy offensive wingers, I should say. I mean, yeah, they've drafted a number of two-way guys or, you know, defensive pivots, but when's the last time that the Canadians had guys like Farrell and Meshack and Caulfield in the pipeline? And it's been what feels like forever at this point. Yeah, I mean, you probably go back to like the Vinnie Damfoos days and stuff like that where you had some real offensive talent. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. (laughs) You were were probably in high school or something, Scott, but whatever. Oh, I... It might have been before that, which is not a great sign for the Montreal Canadiens. Or me. Um, Or me. So, anyhow. (laughs) Uh, I suppose the one other person I wanted to touch on before we moved into the undrafted free agents is we talked – I know this is not outside the NCAA, but someone who came on uh, real strong was Blake Biondi this year. He was a a superstar in the high school ranks in Minnesota, struggled his first year a little bit at Minnesota Duluth, and then this year – uh, 28 points in 40 games. Uh, the NCAA is not known for being a high-scoring league, but the division he's in and the team he's on isn't, you know, easy treading. And to see him come out and actually have this kind of leap, is there still another step beyond uh, where he's at right now? Because I've seen the improvement in his game and that I actually notice when he's on the ice now, but it feels like there might be more to go from here, especially with Duluth likely graduating some of their current talent right now. Yeah, I think there is another level. Like, it's funny. I try not to get too wrapped up into the um, high school players because it is so hard for a high school player to make it to the NHL. It's not like other leagues where, you know, like an NBA high schooler, uh, it's a lot easier. Uh, It's hard. And so I kind of have this thing where I almost say the players almost got to be at like two points a game in high school for me to really seriously start looking at them and, 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 considering him and he was pretty close to that if not over that um that's how good he was and and he's got great hands and vision but he's also one of those guys and this is when i realized he's really talented like he's one of those guys if you pass the puck to him in his in his skates you give him a bad pass he gets it right out like it's not even a problem and and can keep the play going and that's not an easy thing to do i know in media games i would fall on my ass i can't do that at all Um, so i but it is a hard thing to do even for nhlers you know I mean, I can't do it, but I'm not a very good <laughs> skater in any way, shape, or form. I couldn't do it if I was walking, to be quite honest. So um, <laughs> I can't I'm not going to lie to anybody on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, real quick, before we get into undrafted college free agents, uh, you said you had some mixed notes on Luke Tuck, and I'm curious as to why. Well, because Luke Tuck was with the program, and, and he's a bigger guy, and like I saw him at times like at the beginning of the season and maybe he looks better at the beginning of the season cuz not everybody's fully on their game when when you see him in the early part and so he's a big guy he can get to the net and and maybe sort of say oh you know that that may be it but maybe he is really going to be this kind of scorer but then you know if the scoring will kind of fade the uh hockey IQ isn't fantastic and so I don't think he's as good as, as Alex. I don't. I think the difference is Alex, I think, is faster. Alex, I think, will stay stronger, even though Luke will get bigger because he's a big kid. But it's just, you know, I think Luke is just one of these guys that um, might be sort of like a double-digit goal scorer, but I don't know if he'll be like anything more than that. And I think he's a bottom six guy, where his brother is so- more of a top six guy. 
Right. And I, I find that that's kind of the challenge anytime they have the same last name, whether they're brothers or cousins or, you know, we've got yeah, my brother's got to hear about it all the time. Being my brother, even though he's the older brother, clearly I'm the best. So I, I get it. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so that's that's always the challenge is kind of like tempering your expectations when somebody's already made the league. I, I feel like Ryan Suzuki has to go through that, too, now. Um, and so yeah. finally, we are <laughs> we are running out of time. But I did want to say now with McBain off the table, thanks, Arizona, um, There, we still wanted to see if there were any undrafted college free agents that you have your eye on that you think the Habs should look at, which they probably are given who Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes are. But Oh, yeah, Gordon's big in the college. I'll probably see him <laughs> at, around. Uh, yeah, I like Parker Ford with, with Providence. I don't know if he'll be a center at the NHL level, but he's smart, fast. He's a good playmaker. He um, he just does a lot of plus things on the ice. He's got a good wrist shot. He was never drafted, which surprised me, and he's in his second year. Boy, I don't know if he'll even get to his third year. I mean, if he does, pff, that'll surprise me. <laughs> uh, and then Jack St. Ivany um, with BC. He was with Yale, originally a Flyers pick. I mean, Chuck Fletcher never talks about him, so I don't know if he even – cares to sign him or say an Ivy maybe has given them the kind of overture that maybe he doesn't want to play there because they have a lot of defensemen this kid could handle the puck he's smart he's gotten he's gotten so much better in the last two years like I used to see him in in rookie camp and then I would see him in games and I was like wow this guy's speed has gotten better his his strength has gotten better he's good he's good he could play um I think anywhere from a four, five, six, maybe more likely a five, six. But again, if you get a guy out of college for that, that's good. Absolutely, Scott. Any any final questions? Uh, no, I think that's it. I was actually just looking at Parker Ford's profile there, and I, I, from what you said, and just the way he plays, and looking at his numbers, that seems like the kind of person that the Canadians wanting to build Absolutely. a speed based and skill based team, yep. even if he's starting in in the AHL uh, this year and next and year. And Nate Lehman's like, a great coach. Like I'm sure Gordon knows him well and Hughes knows him well. And that's another thing that's good. They've definitely seen it with hockey East watching their kids and probably going to see Harris and everyone else out there. So it's not like he's an unfamiliar body to them. I, I like a lot of what I see. I'm not going to get my hopes up because every time I do that, <laughs> someone else comes and picks the player that I want. So I have learned my lesson, but if they were to sign someone like Parker Ford, I see a lot of, uh, plus attributes that I want for yeah. the future of the Montreal Canadiens there. Yep. So there are two names to watch right there. Um, and in the meantime, this was so delightful. It went by so quickly. We're already at time. I want to thank Russ. Russ, can you tell people where to find your work? Because I know it's so many places. <laughs> it is. I mean, at Sportsology, I always kind of, you know, run things through there on Twitter. Uh, Sportsology.com is my website. There's tons of prospect stuff, plus entertainment. I I even um, did a, a junket for the uh, the new Lakers series uh, on HBO. Got to interview some some good actors on that. Sally Field even, which was amazing. Oh, wow. That's yeah, amazing. so so that's on there. So uh, EP Ringside is another one. Um, Go GTS is a collectible site, and I sort of tell them guy players that they should collect for baseball, football, and um, and hockey. So, so that's fun. And also full press coverage. Uh, I do a lot of my top 10 lists are there, the Canadians' top 10 list uh, for prospects. Uh, I have there and, and a lot of other stuff, and I do baseball as well. And you can always find Russ on uh, Locked On Flyers Locked on as well Flyers. on our own network. Thank you so much, Russ, because here's the thing is that I know 
Habs fans will have enjoyed this episode because they always want to know what's next for the Habs and how, especially now when they're in rebu- rebuild mode, they want to see the future. Um, I know you've you've said that you would be willing to come and talk to us leading up to the draft about mm-hmm. some of the names that are in play then. Um, so what I will ask for our listeners is to send us your questions uh, to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. At any time, if this occurs to you, you know, like the, the players that you're watching that might be in the, where the Canadians are picking, things like that. Um, and we will let Russ know so we can have a nice prepared show or multiple shows as we head closer to the draft. And I want to say thank you so much because this was so informative and so enjoyable. And I know our listeners will love it. In the meantime, if you want to follow our podcast on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Canadians. Uh, if you want to follow my co-host, he's at Scott Matla. If you'd like to follow me, I'm at, at the active stick. Once again, I'll just send, say the email address again. It's lockdowncanadians at gmail.com. Um, and if you liked this podcast, check out Lockdown Flyers. It's an awesome show with two of my friends. I love it. And we will talk to you tomorrow with our mailbag episode.